Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast, your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Bollet. As always, what the genuine hell did I just say? I am lost for words. That's the fun part of doing these like these after game reactions because we were talking about this. If we would have come on and record this episode after the Dallas game, this would have been just the happiest podcast ever. And for 58 minutes of this National Predators game, I thought we were going to come into that, this episode and do the same thing. But an all-time collapse by the abs here. To it, would you be as upset if this had happened to like like against like Vegas or like Dallas? But to have it happen to the worst team in your division, I think makes it even more inexcusable. I don't think there's any excuse against any opponent, really at any level, for that kind of collapse. Uh just to fully encompass the whole thing. The Avalanche lost four to three to the Nashville Predators. In regulation, they had a 3-2 to two lead in the final minute, and they give up two goals in 15 seconds to walk out of that game completely empty-handed after they had a phenomenal 6-3 to three win over the Dallas Stars in Dallas, six unanswered goals after being down 3 to nothing, and again, minute away from surviving a not-great third period against Nashville, a not-great team, and just a complete and utter meltdown. This is a completely different episode than what I thought it was going to be 20 minutes ago. You know, I was feeling good. You know, we I know I said last episode that because of the Monday games, we're going to record on Tuesdays this week, but I was feeling good during the day. I was feeling good during the game. I was like, you know what? It's it's not that late. It's not 11 o'clock. I can, I can fit this in. And just that just has me completely shell-shocked, honestly. That is one of the worst ways to lose a game I have seen them pull off in quite a while. This team certainly knows. It's not even quite a while, dude. It's been, what, a week and a half since the Kraken game? (laughs) So, I mean, like, this this team certainly knows how to lose in dramatic fashion. Yeah. Just absolute dramatic. At least the Kraken game, it was tied. They didn't blow the lead and then give up the game-winning goal. I'm just... 
I can't believe that happened. That's so I, stupid. I, I kind of want, like, I'm laughing a little bit, but at the same time, it's like, how the fuck does that happen, dude? Like, you, you just, you, you cannot have that happen against what has been the worst team in your division. That the is, second worst team in the NHL outside yeah. of the San Jose Sharks right yeah. now. The Sharks, who are historically bad, and Nashville has just been awful to start this season. They've not been good at all. And, this, the third period of this game is so mind-numbingly confusing when you compare it to the third period against Dallas, third period against Anaheim, third period against Seattle. The third period, the Avs have been unstoppable, especially when they have a lead. And for some inexplicable reason, they completely turtled in this third period. Nashville was running circles around them. Georgiev had a great game and just got left out to dry here. And he gets stuck with the the sub 900 save percentage on what's been his best game in well over a month. And they, they just completely blew this one. Just the second before the tie-in goal, when they're trying to get the puck out, it starts bouncing around and they get that weak clearing attempt. I threw my hands up and I was like, they just tied the game. Yep. That hasn't happened yet, but they're going to. And no, you knew it's weird because when you watch as much hockey as we do, you can tell when a team's about to score with the empty net. It, yeah. It's that Bo Byram had like a two minute and forty second shift. Like these guys were gassed, and they just could not get the puck. It was it Colton who had it on a stick and couldn't get it out. Believe so. Then the, the second that puck was unable to get out, you knew, you knew that puck was going to end up in the back of the net. You it's just a formality at that point. And, you know, call that pessimism, but you're right. It That's exactly what happened. To give up the game-winning goal 15 seconds later has really been the problem for this team this season is compounding mistakes. They make one mistake, then another guy makes another, and it all spirals out of fucking control. And before you know it, you have a meltdown or a blowout on your hands. That's the only way this team has lost this year. Yes. And I, I don't know, is that these mistakes can be fixed – but we're, what, 12, 15, 20 games into the season now, and they still haven't we're, been fixed yet? We're, we're approaching the quarter mark of yeah. the season. We're not quite there yet, but this is game 17, 18 of yeah. the season. Even still, this is the National Hockey League. I don't care if the Predators have won a single game all season. You you can't do that. That kind of lackadaisical kind of plays along the boards, even against Dallas the first three goals they gave up, I, I had some problems with with some of their plays along the boards, being a little too cute around the edges. And this is the kind of thing where you, you just got to give a little more. Okay, you gave up the tying goal. Boo fucking who? 20 seconds left in regulation. Go get a point. Twist your head back on and go win it. That would have been nice. I, I, I When Kale makes that play, I just it's a bad bounce off the boards. I don't know what he's trying to do in that situation. Like that's where I'm still trying to figure out because somehow Kale has it. He, he could have easily gone around the net. He had the guy beat, but instead he tries to bounce it off the boards and it bounces straight back in front of Georgiev and Georgiev is left out there to dry. And, And I, we love Jack Johnson and I know Devon Taves had just had like a two minute and 50 second shift. Why is Manson not out there? Right. I guess, I guess you just don't trust him at all at that point. Like I I really don't understand that. But it it, it comes down to Kale. Just skate. 
but he pa- he panics on this play. He's desperately trying to to move the puck off the boards for some reason and just prevent the imaginary defenseman behind him from taking the puck away from him. Like there's 20 seconds left. You're, if your name's the Avalanche, you're not winning this game regulation. The puck's already in your zone. Just get the puck and control it. It's right. just a compounding error based on the fact that they already gave up the tie and goal, and now they're freaked out and out of control, and they can't screw their head on straight. Yeah, it, it makes the whole thing just makes makes me like want to pull my hair out. I can't imagine being Jared Bednar in that situation. Imagine being me. I don't have that yeah. luxury anymore. My hair's <laughs> gone. It's already fallen out. You don't have hair, so it's just exactly. It, it was tough to watch, man. And I just that whole third period from the Avs. Like you don't need to talk about the first two periods at all. That third period just tells the story of this game because if the Avs just play decent in that third period, I think they win this game easily. But they they did not have one scoring chance in that third period that I, I can remember. No, they had a couple shots. You know, they had a look or two wasn't too dangerous on UC Soros, who hasn't been great to start this I season. saw his numbers. I was a little shocked by that, weren't you? Oh, no, because he's my starting goalie. Oh, okay, fair enough. And fair he, enough. Abs- he has absolutely drained the life out of my team. So, of course, he has a sub-okay night and, of course, still wins, which is so annoying. No, I mean, it it is annoying, man. It's it's still just one game, but the Avs, like you said, have found just magical ways to lose games. And those are the types of points, like – the Seattle and Nashville game. I'm not. If you lose both those games in overtime, that's fine. You're still getting a point. But if the Abs finish two points behind Dallas this year, we're going to look back on these two games and be like, the, "That's the reason why you lost. That's why you didn't win the division. It's because you didn't do that. You didn't pull these out." You can't keep finding ways to lose games. Yeah. You know, th- this team, for very few times this season, has had to find ways to win games. Even against Dallas, they kind of pulled away with that game late. They had to find a way to win that game, down three to nothing. I'm not going to downplay that and act like that didn't happen. Very impressive. But most of their wins this season, they've pulled away late. They've pulled away early. They Generally, the ball just keeps rolling downhill, and they're able to compound goals and win games pretty comfortably. They haven't really had to, to grind them out towards the end. They've really found ways to lose games this season. And oh, yeah. they've also this lost team's a Jekyll lot of and Hyde, man. They're yeah. Jekyll and Hyde. Like they're either very good and kick the shit out of people, or they're very bad and find ways to lose. There, there's no in between with this team. If they can just find that constant middle and just be a really good team and be solid defensively. Because I thought for the first two periods of this game, they were great. They, I thought they were, I thought they were okay. Yeah. There were definitely moments like I I didn't like giving up that goal with 17 seconds left in the first. I thought that was a, a pretty big momentum killer. Uh, I really would have hoped on the second goal, you're you're moving the guy out in front of the net and not forcing Georgiev to work that hard on a screen. But to a point, man, Georgiev has got to learn to make a save through traffic. I mean, you right. do, but you also have to move the guy. Like You, you have to move him, but has to, it has to be a compounding thing. It has to be both. Yeah. Guys. But you gotta, Georgiev's gotta make a save eventually when it's coming through traffic, man. He like, he was better in this game, so I'm not gonna say this is Georgiev's fault. But if he can, like, teams are gonna notice that, like, hey, just get some traffic in front of him. Like, he's not gonna make. He he struggles with it. So I'm not gonna say this is Georgiev's fault because he was probably the Avs' best player tonight. Without yeah, he, was great. he was great. There's, so, there's nothing negative you can say about Georgiev in this game. Like you you can make the argument like you are that he needs to make the save through the screen but 
I, I still think it comes down to you got to move the guy in front of the net and give your goalie a chance. And it sucks because he has been playing well lately, even against Dallas. I He kept them in the game. Yeah, he gave up three goals. I didn't like the second one, but he didn't allow the next one. And he let the Avs get back into the game because it's four nothing. It's probably going to compound into six nothing at that point with the way this this season has gone. He keeps it three nothing and three one and three two makes the big saves and gets the Avs able to come back still sub 900 in that game just because. And in this game, even when they gave up the tying goal, he's still above 900 at that point. If you go out and you go win that game, you still give him a, a positive over 900 save percentage. And that is good. That's good for the confidence. That goal sucks. That brings him down below 900. You lose both points out of the matchup. It's just the ultimate inexcusable play. It, it can't happen. And that's why it's so funny to look at goaltending stats because you look at it tonight and you're like, ah, Georgiev wasn't that great, but he made some huge saves to keep this game in, in the Avs realm of winning. And then you go back and look at a couple other games and he was actually terrible. Like the, the stats kind of lie in this one. Yeah. You know, and, and Peter just tweeted out the, the third period statistics from natural stat tricks. The Predators had 66.6% of the scoring chances. That's very symbolic. 75% of high danger chances and 63% of expected goals at five on five. This is in a, at least a close game that is not already a blowout. This is by far the Avs worst third period. And then you have the inability to clear the zone on the tying goal and just, uh, a total head shaker from, from Kale McCarr, which is, and with Kale McCarr, if they just hold this lead, we are singing Kale McCarr's praises from the rooftop. This was his third straight game with three assists. He broke Quinn Hughes's record for the fastest defenseman to hit 200 assists in the game against Dallas and was the first star of the week. And yeah. now here we are, he made a bonehead play and we're talking about what the hell is wrong with you. Yeah. I mean, that's just the way, that's the way life goes in here, man. Yeah, I wish we could have recorded this episode before before tonight's game. I wish we could have because it would have been such a happier episode. Would have been a great episode. This is still going to be fun, but it, it's a tough loss to eat. To eat. Um, it's it's going to be interesting to see how they bounce back. There's been a lot of bounce back opportunities for this team. It just sucks because they were so close to a four game win streak, and you could have put to bed some of the narratives that have been developing about this team. And now you just lose this one. Still three and one. It's not terrible. It's not terrible. But the way you lost that one is the one that hurts the most. That's that's been the way with every loss this season. Yeah. It's not losing. It's how you've lost this game. Pittsburgh, four nothing shutout. You look lifeless. Buffalo, four nothing shutout. You look lifeless. Vegas, heavyweight tilt, or at least it was supposed to be. You get destroyed in Vegas, seven nothing with two shorthanded goals against. Seattle, you give up the game-breaking goal with under a minute left. St. Louis, 8-2 to two on your home ice. And this one against Nashville to give up those two goals. Mate, there has not been a single normal loss this season where no. it's like, ah, you, you got goalied. Ah, you know, they just they got lucky in this one. It has just been gut-wrenching, baffling losses. I don't know if I, like, would you rather lose, like, getting goalied? Or would you rather lose magnificently? Was... <laughs> getting goalied hurts me more. Like that oh, one pisses me off more. Like, this one... just like, yeah, it happens, you know. See, but this one, I could be like, yeah, we fucked it up. That one, like the the loss tonight is like, we we fucked that up. I well, know that a, a loss up. like this 
genuinely does make you question certain mental things about this team. Yeah. The, the losses this season have make you ask certain questions. When you get goalied, you tip your cap to the other guy and you go home. In this one and in all the losses, you're, you're asking, what the hell is wrong with you? Where you can have such great games against Seattle, against Anaheim, against Dallas, and then come out here with this. And I get it. Not every game is going to be perfect. That's not what I'm asking for. I'm asking for when you have made your success this season almost entirely based on the third period, how do you also have one like that the next game? and have these kinds of mental errors it just it doesn't make any sense no it doesn't it it, consistency is the word you're looking for right just consistency with this team and they'll get it they'll get it and and to their credit they have been consistent with it they have great games and followed it up with 10 feet of shit as long as they can get it figured out before the playoffs that's really going to be the key that's that, that's if, where you got to. If they can't, this will be the end of the show because I will not survive a, a playoff series. God forbid, two with results like this will kill me. Oh yeah, yeah, it'd be brutal. But as long as they get figured out by then, it'll all be forgiven. We'll be good. Um, any other final thoughts on this Nashville game before we move on to a, a game? I think we're both excited to talk about. Um, well, at least we were until the result that happened tonight. I don't know, like, because how it it feels different talking about the Dallas game now, because now all of that momentum is gone. Like, yeah, you, you took care of business against Dallas, against a divisional opponent, the, the only really divisional opponent worth your time right now. And but they get it back. They beat the Rangers today and you go and blow this game against Nashville. So now you're you're right back where you were before the game. Yeah, to a point, I, I think. I think the win against Dallas proved more to me that they they can compete with Dallas. I, I, before the game, I think I was talking about more like I, I thought Dallas was the better team. I, I still think there's moments where Dallas is the better team. They've been more consistent than the Abs for sure. But what they did in Dallas, it still needs to be acknowledged. That was the most impressive win of the year so yes, far. Easily. So far. Most impressive win of the year. And if they had just played in the third period of this game, I was ready to come on here with the attitude of the Avs are still going to be the team to beat in the Central until they're not. Everyone wanted to crown Dallas as the new team, the new Stanley Cup contenders, and the Avs aren't what they used to be. And especially when it was 3-0, there was a lot of people talking like that. But the Avs, they found a way to stick around in the game, and they score six unanswered goals. And again, the depth scoring on this team has been brilliant. And even in Nashville, it was brilliant in that game too. Andrew Cagliano scores his third goal in three games. You had Devon scoring his third goal in three games. Val Nachushkin is staying on a goal streak. He's up to seven goals suddenly. He's carved himself out a nice little office on the power play in front of the net. Just, I'm still very frustrated if you can't tell. This is like, <laughs> this game ended like 20 minutes ago. So, I mean, I'm still kind of working through things right now. I'm actually like holding it together pretty well. Like, I'm not I'm as mad as I thought I would be. I I'm know you're, you're way more upset than I am. I thought I'd be more pissed. But it, what I loved about that Dallas game is they put to bed so many of those thoughts that we were having of like when they, this team goes down, they, they just quit. Like when they go down by multiple goals, like they just quit. 
they could have easily quit in this Dallas game. It, it looked like everything was going against them. You had Joe Pavelski scoring because he always scores against the abs. But we do need to acknowledge the fact that Joe Pavelski, for what he's doing at his age, is absolutely remarkable. It's so, that, like I don't think he knows that he's old. He doesn't play like it. He, he's, his play style is just so perfect for today's NHL. And he, he's, what, 39, almost 40? Yeah, he's thirty nine. He's thirty nine years old. In his last three seasons, his last four seasons, he was just under a point per game in 2020, 2021. Next season after that, eighty one points in eighty two games, seventy seven points in eighty two games. In the playoffs last year, fourteen points in fourteen games. And right and now, he missed how many games with that concussion? A couple. Yeah, he missed a couple. Like, he, what he does, it's just absurd, man. And I'll give a tip of the cap to him because even though he's an avalanche killer. The dude is fucking remarkable. He yeah, is just. I, I have I have no ill will towards Joe no. whatsoever. What the guy does is an absolute in defiance of nature itself at 39 years old, and he's still a point per game. He's 15 points in 16 games right now. I don't he know. If he has, ass, did, did he have any points today against the Rangers? I haven't even. Uh, probably, him. man, because he just all like, he is so good, and he scores against the Abs. I, I, what he does is just remarkable. So, tip of the cap to you, Joe Pavelski. I still wish you were like, could you? If he was on the Abs, man, he would be one of the most beloved players in Colorado. Oh, I've he I've been on the Joe Pavelski to the Abs train for for years back when he was in San Jose. Yeah. I wanted Joe Pavelski on the Abs, and he did score a point today against the Rangers. He did. Yeah. Okay. Got, All right, he got a sense. primary assist that kicked off the the uh six unanswered goals for the stars in there. Oh, they got six tonight. Yeah. I turned it off and it was four two. Yeah, they got six unanswered goals of their own after being down two over the Rangers, and they won that game six to three on home ice. But yeah, Pavelski's unbelievable. I mean, you can't even hate the guy. Doing what he does at 39 is, is unbelievable. And I don't I, there's not a player that I have seen in my lifetime better at deflecting pucks in front of the net. No. He, like, I mean, at least hey, someone who's like... Val in the past him. three games maybe can peak with him. Right. Maybe. <laughs> he's, get, he's getting to Pavelski territory. Yeah. But Pavelski has made his whole career off it. No one does it better. No one does it better. Uh, he's a great player. He scores, make it 2 nothing, and then Sagan scores again. Was that a terrible turnover by Sam Gerrard in that happened? Gerard, Gerard had a bad game. Yeah, he wasn't actually the start of this game. We've we've sung the praises of Sam Gerrard. It's only fair that you criticize him when he has a bad game. He also did not play against Nashville for personal reasons. We don't know what those are yet. Not going to dig too deep into those because we've seen those can be any sort of number of things. So I simply hope everything is okay. But did not play. Do you you think Josh Manson was healthy for that Stars game and they just scratched him? No, if Josh Manson's healthy, they're playing him. Yeah, I, I, I thought that too. And then you look at tonight's game. How many minutes did Caleb Jones play against Nashville? He didn't play that many. Against Nashville, I just put this away. Caleb Jones played 12 minutes. He played the least yeah. of any defenseman, but only two less than Jack. To be fair. So, I mean, it, I, I think if if Gerard is back and Manson's back, we, we can kind of put to bread that one of them is going to get scratched for Caleb Jones. Caleb Jones has been fine when he's played. But... I love I love Caleb Jones. Honestly, I, I wouldn't hate him staying in for Manson, but pre- preferably you want that for Jack. What forward played the least amount of minutes tonight? The forward that played the least amount of minutes was Andrew Cogliano at 10.08. Oh, no, Miles Wood at 9.51. That is interesting. Interesting. Yeah. interesting. Well, Wood, I still Wood, think Wood, the abs need to go 11 and 7. Wood took the the dumb penalty, slapping Cole Smith in the first period. I imagine that might have stuck him in the doghouse for a few minutes. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I still think the Avs could go 11-7 and seven and be good, but that's just me. That, that's Bednar's thing. Um, but back to the Stars game. They could have easily, the Avs easily could have folded in this game, and they, they didn't. They they were actually playing well. It sucked they went down 3 nothing because I, I didn't hate the way that they were playing in that game. Oh, yeah. I, compl- and- I completely agree. I mean, there was one part of my brain that was like, here we go again going to get blown out on another big Saturday stage against a, a heavyweight opponent. But the the half of my brain that was actually watching the game was like, they're not playing that bad. Yeah. they're. I think that was the part that was frustrating me the most about it. Cause you watched that St. Louis and the, the Vegas game. They were just getting their ass kicked up and down the ice. They were competing in this game. They, they were. So I, I was telling my sister's boyfriend, I was just like, they just need one. The abs just need one. Oh, and before we even get to that, I forgot about this until then. The officiating in this game was some of the worst I have ever seen in the NHL. And we watch a lot of hockey. The missed calls that the refs missed in this game on McKinnon was one of them. And who was the other one? Ross Colton literally got tackled by Matt Duchesne. How none of those were called is absurd. Absurd. And it's... It drives me crazy, man, because those are obvious calls, obvious calls. Right. And and you look at the Nashville game as well, where it just TJ Luxmore, I think, loves the sound of his own voice. I hate his stupid baby face, bro. I he's fucking annoying. hate him. annoying. I hate this guy so much. Just calls penalties for the sake of it. Call, what, eight penalties in this game? Like that first period, that four-minute stretch, he called four penalties that – trip on Rantanen in the third period not a trip that's two guys going for a puck I I hated that call completely and the constant need of makeup calls like you're just annoying get yourself out of the game I fucking hate him and then yeah that Dallas game was just it was so bad dude I I hated every second of those calls Dallas had a five on three and it actually was the turning point in the game where the abs were able to kill that off and they were able to get some momentum going back their way but Oh my God, that officiating was so bad. And I, I'm not usually one to complain about officiating because it's, it's a tough job. I'll give them that. This game, they were bad. They were bad, and they, they bad. faced no repercussions. I guarantee you, those refs don't have to worry about shit. But if the Abs had lost this game, you can look back on those two missed calls and wonder what what happened. Like if you call those, who knows what would have happened? So, you the officiating was terrible. The abs get back in the game. Miles Wood, I love this breakaway goal. And his speed is so great. And the chemistry him and O'Connor and Colton are building is phenomenal. And then Peter DeBoer has the most confusing goaltender interference challenge of all time. Like that was a I don't know why you're challenging in that situation. Because if you lose, you give the abs a power play and they just scored. Yeah. And it's exactly yeah. what happened. There was nothing that would have indicated that was goaltender interference. Right. I, I don't understand what the video coaches are telling him in his ear yeah. because that puck, like, okay, there's contact. The puck's already sliding past him right to the net. It's a waste of a challenge and keeps the abs on the attack. They don't score on this power play, but they score on the eventual next one that they had from the compounding momentum. As a result, Ryan Johansson on the power play makes it three to two. And all of a sudden, you, you've got a game here. And the Avs, they they finally get rewarded for some of the good play that they've had in this game. And their third periods before Nashville have oh, been great. This third period was 
as beautiful of a third period of hockey as you can ever watch. And it makes it even more frustrating after what we just watched against Nashville because that Dallas third period was probably the best period of hockey the Avs played all year. Yeah, That was a masterful, masterful third period. Yeah, and it was their third straight third period like that. Their their third period against Seattle in Seattle was brilliant. They put that game away. They embarrassed the Ducks in that third period against them. And this third period, they – dominated this game and Val Nachushkin excellent ties that game and Dude, that goal by him was beautiful man I, Val Nachushkin biggest comeback so far this year is just how good he's been man he has been ever since he's come back on that top line I know it sucks with Lekin and out but getting Val Nachushkin going again that's what this team needs they need that type of Val Nachushkin if this team's going to win anything yeah and it goes down as an unassisted goal, which kind of sucks. It's a great setup by by Freddie Olsen and everyone down low. And Nachushkin able to finish it off, tie the game up at three early in the third period. And you, you could tell the abs were rolling. They were not going to end up losing this game outside of bad luck. And they, they just kept pressing. They kept pressing. The goal by Miko, one of the nastiest backhands. <laughs> he roofs that. But he's not even facing the goal. Ottinger has no idea that's coming. It's a perfect backhanded shot. Uh, they have to take the 4-3 lead, and then Cogliano scores, make it 5-3. And it was it was a masterful third period. I loved every second of it. Um, but I just, I, I just wish they would have won this game against Nashville because this Dallas game was so perfect, dude. It yeah. was so perfect. It was everything we had wanted to see from them on a big stage. And they delivered on every single aspect of it, every single aspect of it. And then you followed up with this Nashville game and it just, it, it goes down the drain. Right. Yeah. It, it feels like a, a bunch of wasted momentum. And my favorite thing about this Dallas game is last year, you win a game like that. It's McKinnon having a, a four point night and two goals. And Kale did have a three point night in this game, which is still very funny for the context of this conversation. But ultimately it was your workhorses that got you yeah. back in this game. It was Logan O'Connor who, again, is just playing out of his mind right now and ultimately picks up zero points in this game, but does not matter. He played fantastic in this game and it's miles wood who gets them back in it. And it's Ryan Johansson on the power play was able to get them going. Val stays red hot and Miko Rantanen gets the game winning goal, but Andrew Cogliano cracked this game wide yes. open. And it's, it's Kiwi Ranta again, who gets the primary assist on that goal again, love Kiwi Ranta. Even Dude, all of the former stars that played for the Avs were great in that game. Yeah, again, were great. Love Kiwi Ranta. Even against Nashville, I thought he he just does all the little things right, exactly the way you want it on the fourth line. And Cagliano, this was eleven seconds after the Rantanen goal. Because yeah. even when you do go ahead like that, there's always the chance that the stars can get one back and get the game tied. And Cagliano ended. Any any single notion of that, which was fantastic. Yeah, it, it, that Cagliano has scoring some big goals, and and then Ross Colton gets the empty netter, and like it, it has been weird because how long has it been since McKinnon scored a goal? He scored not that long ago, right? Because I'm trying well, to, I'm it I'm totally feels like a lot longer though, doesn't it? When because when was it? It was home Seattle, right? Yeah, that, that first game against Seattle. So we're talking, what, five, six games now without a goal for Nathan McKinnon? One, two, three, four, five. Yes, but also he has four, six, eight assists in that span. Yeah, no, he, he's been producing points, but it goes back to your point that the depth 
has been so good that even though McKinnon is going through the goalless streak right now, and Rantanen got one against Dallas, he gets the game winner, but those two haven't been great. That's what like I mean. That, I, I'm loving the way that the depth scoring is coming through in a way that we never saw last season. And a, a little bit's unsustainable. I don't think Andrew Cogliano is mm. going on too many three-game goal streaks. It's his what first. was the stat? I forget what they tweeted. It's like the first time in his career he's done that. It's his first time as an AV he's done that. Oh, first time as an AV. Okay. He's, he's been around long enough. I'm pretty sure he's pulled his way into a couple of those. Fair. But at very least, as an AV, his first three-game goal streak with the team. And he had a shorthanded goal in the game against Nashville. We did kind of brush over that a little bit to open the scoring. The Avs scored first. This was the first time all season that they had a lead of any kind and lost, which I'm now just dawning on me. That, that sucks. Yeah, I, I wish you wouldn't have said that. I really wish you wouldn't have said that. because that, that There's was a lot of things I wish wouldn't have been said this episode, yeah. but here we Fair. are. Fair. But the depth has been great this year, and we're still waiting for Thomas Tatar to get going. He's looked better. I've liked the way Tatar's looked. Um, I thought Joanne against Nashville was actually pretty solid. Like, I, I, I liked moments of his game. Um, Ryan Johansson... He's not playing much five on five. No, he's and not. That's, I mean, that's... I, think, I think this transitions into something I wanted to talk about today, and that's the second line as a whole, where right now you have Val bumped up on the top line. Artur Lekkinen is not coming back anytime soon. I think we can all understand and accept that, that that's just not a thing. At least New Year's, realistically, probably a lot longer than that too. So Val's up on that top line for the foreseeable future. Your third line, you don't want to touch because they've been outstanding. Your fourth line, you're not bumping anyone up on, from the fourth line to the second no, line. No, I think they they fit in their roles perfectly. And like you wouldn't want to anyway with how they've been playing. So that kind of leaves Jonathan Drouin, Ryan Johansson, and Thomas Tatar on their own line, which is a very weird outlier because you feel like you can't trust that line all that much because it's... Right. A lot of the guys who've been struggling the most, Tatar is just that he hasn't put it together yet. Druan his has life, flashes. Like Druan has, has flashes of good. He has flashes, but they don't really result in anything. He no. looks good. He he can be pleasing to watch sometimes, but it it doesn't always produce results, which can be very frustrating. And Ryan Johansson has his moments on the power play, but like you said, even strength does not get a lot of playing time. And I I think this is a conversation that is worth having because you need, you, you need to play your second line. Yeah. You, you kind of have a bunch of, I don't want to call them outcasts, but it kind of feels like everyone else is doing so well that you're just kind of stuck with this right now. Do you think about splitting up McKinnon and Rantanen? I don't know because they've been good. You do. I think you do want to keep Val with McKinnon. I agree with that. With I think with the way the second line is going, I mean it's not awful. I've seen worse lines in my life. There's just there's but not the key a lot is what well, you just said. It's the second line, right? It needs to be playing the second most minutes of the forwards, and it's not right now. You, you can't have your entire second line hiding. No one there is really a play driver. No, and it should be Druan driving play. That's just not really his style. Johansson's not fast enough for that, and Tatar is a complimentary piece. I think you do need to try Rantanen. I think if you put Rantanen with Ryan Johansson, I I think that will work. I think they've worked. It's worked so far this year. Yeah. I've liked, like, that's when Johansson's been his best, when he has Miko. You're asking Ryan Johansson, I think, and 
Thomas Tatar and Jonathan Drouin to do something that I don't think any of them are capable of doing, and that's be a sole producer on a line. Right. They just they just don't have that skill set. That's neither of them were acquired. None of them were acquired for this role of being the guy to drive the bus. Brian Johansson has never really been that guy in the NHL as a, a pure driver of his own line. He's usually been with Forsberg in the past and like at least yeah, having him. like Duchesne, having a winger that maybe just has a little more talent than him. And he's a, very much had his ups and downs in his career. And Thomas Tatar has never been that at any nope. level. Maybe Drew Ann was that for one season in Tampa and maybe one in Montreal. But recently, you're you're putting a lot on his plate with this situation. And with Lekin and out long term, it, it does beg the question, what do you do about this? Because everyone else has been so great. You're not you're not bumping Colton up or anything like no. that. Just that third one. line works too well. And then that fourth line, you're just overextending them if you ask them to do anything more than what they're doing. Right. I, and like you, you bring a tufty back up to play in the no. top six. Like it's what I mean. Like there's not really a, a red. I think you have to put option. you have to put Ranton in on that second line. You have yeah. to. And then I, I don't know if it's Duran or Tatar. I would rather have Tatar up there on the top line with McKinnon and Nichushkin. Like this is that's also the thing where Duran hasn't really earned that. But there's like some chemistry there with McKinnon. I think if you have Druan, McKinnon, Nichushkin, you're getting something of everything on the top line. Like, because with Tatar, he kind of feels like a warm body right now. He's an NHL player, he's not, and he's not a fourth liner, but there's not really one thing he's done particularly well this season. He hasn't been terrible at anything either, but he has just been mad. He, he's been there. He's been yeah. on the ice. He just has not really done anything. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think you're, you're setting that second line up for failure if you don't give them a playmaker. And it's, it, it sucks that you have to break up McKinnon and Rantanen. But it, to spread it out for however long Lekkonen's out, I think you have to do it, man. I think you have to, you have to think about it. And it just gives – Ryan Johansson, I think a better chance if he's not the sole play driver. Like we've seen where he's best at is in front of the net deflecting pucks. What does Miko Ranton do more than anyone on the team? Shoot the puck. That's what you want. So I I think that's what Bednar is going to look at. And you can always throw Nachushkin, McKinnon and Ranton back together in a pinch. Like, you know, that works, but you can't keep getting away with playing your second line less than 12 minutes. You just can't. Yeah. At very least at even strength. Because yeah. Joh- Johansson's going to play power play time. That's going to bump up his time on ice a lot. Also begs the question of, do they solve this externally? You know, I'm, I'm, there's at least one person listening to this right now. And you know who you are, who is currently screaming the name Patrick Kane at your phone. I still don't. He's not think the solution. That, I, yeah, I don't think that solves anything. We need and, a second line center, if anything. Right. Who's making that trade right now? I don't no. really think anyone like if the flames get really desperate, maybe, but I, it's, it's not the point of the season where teams are like, yep, mailing it in, give us no. some draft picks. Like it's just, it's not that point right now. It's not that point. Dude, if you dude, could you imagine Elias Lindholm on that second line? Don't do this to me. We're, I know but you brought it up, team. man. You said the flames, dude, you said, I know, that. but I didn't, I didn't say the name because I knew we'd go down this path. Yeah. Yeah. That'd but, be cool. 
That'd be really cool. It's not going to happen, but it'd be really cool. It, it, I, it, you just need to get a playmaker with that line. I don't think Johansson's been terrible. We knew going into the year his yeah, lack he's of- got 13 points. I mean, yeah. and yeah, a lot of it's been on the power play, but he's still putting up points. He has not been awful. No, he hasn't been bad. It's just he's not a playmaker. He's right. not. He lacks the foot speed to create so many opportunities for this team. And this team is built on speed, and Ryan Johansson doesn't have it. This is what we talked about in the preseason when we got him. It's he's a good player who's going to be a good complementary piece, but you got to give him something to help because that part of his career where he can just create play by himself is gone. I'm sorry. Did I say he had 13 points? I think I just completely made that up. How many points does he actually have? I think he has like eight. <laughs> no, really? I don't think he had like I don't I don't know where I got the fact that he has all this assists from. I don't think that's real. I think I made that up entirely. I mean, eight still isn't terrible yeah he's got he's got six goals where did i get 13 from i, th- I don't know I, I, it sounded you said it with such confidence i believed you right you can pull that off a lie you just say things with confidence and people will believe you life yeah. for everyone but no he does not have 13 points he has seven but yeah okay that's not not as good about half as much but yeah he, he's just that's not the player he is anymore and i don't <laughs> frankly think he ever i'm, I'm sorry why did, i don't understand why i said that <laughs> It's, yeah, that was really funny. That was that was an impressive bowl there. But yeah. um I think that's what Bednar's gonna look at. Maybe that's what you do. You break up McKinnon and Ranton. And I I agree you don't take Nachushkin away because the way Nachushkin's playing right now with McKinnon. Can't break that up. Hey everybody, hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. Interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor at DraftKings Sportsbook. Football is back in full swing with another week of epic games. And who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets when you sign up. Best of all, nobody's going to be missing out on any of the actions this season because all DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September. So what are you waiting for? Get in on the NFL Week 2 action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code THPN to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 and take home 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. Now, back to the episode. It it does make the question, what's going to happen when Lekkonen comes back? Because if Val keeps up this pace, I think you have to keep Val up there with him. Yeah, and I don't think that's a problem. You put Lekin on the second line, and you're bumping somebody down after that. Yeah. And then you're you're all the better for it. But you also don't know when that's going to be with Arturi Lekin. Right. We don't have a timetable. It could be January. could be March. It could be not at all. could be you're talking LTIR till the playoffs kind of thing. Like when, well, when you're talking neck – stuff like that that's tricky that's i mean if that's the case you can use that 4.25 million at the trade deadline right but you are going to need an answer on that because if he comes back in in late march you're screwed you can't spend that money that was the problem with landeskog and ej last year where it's like they had 11 million dollars in salary cap space on ltir and they didn't use it well they didn't know that both of them were going to be gone the whole time if they did they would have done something with it but they had to at least keep it into account that landisgog was probably at that point coming back during the regular season that was the plan and ej did come back during the regular season so they couldn't spend that money he was back like 3 weeks later yeah, so broken leg. Going to need, Did you see the goal EJ scored last night? That was fucking ridiculous. That Who the hell is that guy? 
<laughs> Look at that guy go. Where was that oh, last yeah. year? Uh, but but yeah, it, it the second line needs to get figured out. It is worth 17, 18 games in the season. It has worked so far. Yeah, and I, I think what we need to understand is like there's not a rush. Like there are 82 games in the season, and you it this doesn't need to be solved tomorrow. No. Like this doesn't mean they need to go out and solve this right away those are still nhl players and i think you can count on better production from them i don't think thomas tatar is going the entire season without a goal jonathan Druan, i think there is a limit to what he's capable of i think you're going to get better production from him ryan johansson i i think you are getting what you're going to get from him power play points and once in a blue moon maybe he'll bang one in at even strength i think he's going to get a couple more assists. I think you're going to get more from them eventually. I don't know if it's going to be a lot, but it's going to be more than what it is right now at the very least. And once you start to get into new year at the trade deadline, if this is really still a problem, I don't have a problem with spending more assets this year than you did last year. Agreed. Agreed. But that's three months away. Right. And I also saw a little bit today is like, well, if the Avs don't do something about this now, then they're doing the same thing they did last year and not addressing the problems, which is very strong revisionist history because they did a lot last year to try to to address those depth problems. Like, yeah, it wasn't any earth shattering moves or first round picks or anything like that. But like they they did a lot with the the Dryden Hunts and the Dennis Mulgans and the Matt Nietos of the world like they made Lars Eller. They did a lot to really try to shore up the depth. And again, for the 500th time since the last trade deadline, if they went and made a move that was actually moving the needle, they were going to be significantly mortgaging the future based on the prices that were paid at the deadline. They, they did not have... Name one big piece who contributed. Like, Ivan Barbashev is the only one that was a big one because Vegas won the cup. Right. And even then, he was like a decent player yeah. on the cup run. Like just Ryan O'Reilly you know, topical name today where the Leafs gave up so much for that. Like even if the Avs really gave it their all and tried to do that, even, I don't think our best package was even matching. No. Like we're, no. we're, get, we're getting off topic, but just yeah. back to the point of the Avs, if they really feel like this is a problem, they are going to do something about yes. it. And to, to say that they don't address problems in season is, is revisionist history. They do go and try to address those things with the limits that they have. And they have more now. They have more assets to spend than they did last year. It's still not a lot, but I don't think they give a fuck about this first round pick this year, having two last year with Richie and Guliev. And Richie looked good ever since he came back from that injury, yeah, man. He's looking real good. I mean, you also have to consider Kovalenko. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. You took I, I had that thought come in my head. I was like, Evan's keeping us up to date with Kovalenko, man. He's been great. That's coming in March. And who knows what that's going to be? That right. could just be another good bottom six winger, but you can never have enough of those in the playoffs, man. And who knows what he can bring offensively in the KHL. He's dominating right now. I've, I'm totally blanking on his team name at the moment, but he was hurt for the last little while and they struggled heavily without him. He's come back and their record with him, they're like 12 and three. Yeah. Like, like 12, three and one, I think is yeah. what Evan tweeted today. 
Yeah, I have to find the exact. Evans just become the KHL reporter, and we thank you. He's he's oh, yeah. doing. He, he's, the, he's the Kovalenko tracker all yeah. season. He's been on top of it. Yeah. So shout out Evan, but it, I, I keep forgetting that he's going to come eventually. Yeah. Ko- <laughs> Kovalenko, Kovalenko plays for the Torpedo. Two assists today with him in the lineup. They are twelve four and one, and they've only lost once when he picks up a point. Without him, they're eight seven and one on the season. KHL different league. Totally different. dominating over there. If he can come over and get adjusted, that's just another guy this team has in their lineup. And if they make a move at the trade deadline for a top six winger, you, you, you're talking about something here. You're, you're starting to cook something here. But also, I think you're getting lost in the top six winger. I also wouldn't be opposed to a defenseman, maybe, yeah. at the deadline if you're really starting to look at it. But these are all conversations for way down the line in the season. We don't have to get totally lost in it now. But the second line is going to be something worth watching because I don't. I just don't think you change anything right now. I think you bump Ranton and down. You try that and maybe throw Tatar or Duran up there because you have to, and just hope someone puts it together and starts giving you top six production because everyone else, the fourth line, I fucking love it. The third line's one of my favorite in years. Top line, McKinnon, Rantanen, not scoring every single night, but they're superstars. Uh, it's, it, they're going to start scoring. They will. Yeah. They and, will. you know, I haven't loved their games recently. McKinnon, that's what I'm saying, man. Like, yeah. uh, th- th- that's been the impressive part to me of that three-game win streak was that I, I don't think McKinnon and Rantanen were out of this world good in no, those games. I, I thought they looked pretty average, which yeah. for like calling McKinnon and Rantanen average is like calling someone below them bad. The average is bad for them. They need you need better than average from those guys. And they've been good. Like I said, McKinnon in the this goal is straw has still picked up eight assists. Rantanen still had that game winning goal against Dallas with that disgusting backhander. And Kale's a difficult one to include in this conversation because he's had three straight three assist games and was the first star of the week, but he has had these little moments this year where he's blown tires and just made these baffling plays. And I was ready to come on here and be like, let's slow down the Quinn Hughes talk for the Norris. Kale McCarr is still right here. And that's very much still a conversation, but you don't get that conversation after that. Oh, dude, can you imagine like in, in Canada leading up to this game, when the abs face the Canucks, that that's going to be the entire discourse is McCarr versus Hughes. Yeah. And you know I don't what? know about you, but I, I find that exhausting at this point now. Oh, it's, it's exhausting. It's also exhausting that we say this. I open up Twitter, and the first thing I see is a Quinn Hughes highlight from the goal he scored today. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, they're two really good defensemen, but let's be honest here. We all know who the better one is. It's, right? the, same, it's the same conversation we have with every other defenseman. Yeah. Same one we have with Adam Fox. Same one with have Miro Heiskin. Great players. Top five defensemen in the NHL. Absolutely. Not an insult to not be Kale McCarr. Yeah. So that, that that whole discourse just annoys me. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to be honest. When they announced Kale as the first star, I was like, that's got to be the quietest first star. Like, I, I, he just had so many assists. He never really scored that much. And then you look up and you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, he did have like 12 points last week. Yeah, he's, he's scoring more in the last three games than most defensemen are going to score in this entire season. Like he's just he's ridiculous. Wait, wait, wait. Can you pull? I, I wish we could have like a stats person with us. I bet you in this past week, Kale McCarr has had more points than what Jack Johnson had in the past two years. Well, because what he's had nine points in the last two games, right? Yeah. Three well, last three, last three. Yeah, last last three games, he's had nine points, three assists in all of them. And Jack Johnson, 
Evers in his Avalanche tenure since coming to the Avalanche. His first full season, he had nine points. In okay. Four games, one assist. And last year in 25 games, he had four points. You can, you can come. Do you want, do we want to put the Blackhawks in there? The little, yeah, throw it in there. Yeah. So that's eight points. And this year he already has four. So he's, he's on pace to shatter some records. Let's go Jackie right J now. baby. But yeah, Kale McCarr, I mean, this is a lot of math to do off the top of my head. 21 points over this, over this stretch. And Kale McCarr in his last three games has nine. That's pretty good. He's a pretty, pretty good, good hockey player. Pretty good. He's pretty solid. I like him a lot. I, I think we should build around him. I think that's a good idea. I think we yeah. should do the same. Yeah. And uh, his partner, Devon Taves has found his scoring touch the past couple of games too. So he he had gone dry, and I, I think that kind of went under the rug because no one's really talking about. It. But he's he's starting to score and contribute more offensively, which has been good. Yeah, I mean, we didn't really talk about it much on here, but there there was a little bit of a stretch after he signed his new contract where he was rough. He hadn't been that good offensively, not great defensively, making some mistakes, which was really hurting my fantasy team because I drafted him a little over because I really needed a good defenseman. But he he's started to come back recently, and he's starting to put up a lot more Devontae's numbers and make a lot of those smarter plays defensively. You look at the Dallas game, he had some very good plays in transition and Nashville still had some smart plays as well. So it looks like he's starting to, to come back to life a little bit, which is good news, but man, you, you have all these conversations about this team and everything right now, man, it'd be so great to be on a four game win streak right now. Yep. Yep. And this whole thing would just be totally different. If we were on a four game win streak, it would just oh. would be. That loss is just brutal. Brutal. brutal lose, lose a game like that again. Again. You already did this two weeks yeah. ago. Where you Break lose your heart. A game like that. Not even that. At least we know we can just write it on the calendar. Like every two weeks we have a loss like this. God, I fucking hope not. It's yeah. It sucks so bad to lose yeah. like that. But any other abs news we need to talk about before we move on to the NHL news? I mean, any other abs news? I don't know. I think I think I've had my fill of this team for a few days. Yeah, yeah me too. Me too. So we'll we'll move on. Uh, NHL news. Uh, Patrick Laine got benched, healthy scratched. Um, he's got to be one of the most confusing players in the NHL. Like in the way that the talent's there, but he can just never put it together. And he's getting paid a lot of money to not produce for Columbus. Yeah. Patrick Laine makes $8.7 million and has three points in nine games this season, which is, he's also been like kind of a point per game player the last two years. He's suffered through a couple of injuries, but he was a point per game his first full season in Columbus and just barely under a point per game last year in Columbus. But his, his first two seasons in the league were magical. Yes. He's fantastic. 36. Was he the same draft as Matthews? He was one and two. Matthews yep. one, line A two. And then he has 36 goals his rookie season. And then the next year, 44 goals. That Winnipeg team that went to the Western Conference final and just has never been able to get back to that point for whatever reason. And he was not happy about getting scratched by all reports. And the Blue Jackets as a whole are a goddamn mess. This team is. Oh, wait, who could have predicted that? <laughs> yeah, who could have seen this coming? They're worse than they were last year, which is shocking. You know, almost like you hire Mike Babcock and have to scramble to fire him after he doesn't even make it to training camp. And Pascal Vincent is trying to, I, I guess, do his best with this absolute mess of an organization right now. Uh, Yarmo Kekalainen is losing his job soon. 
There's, there's I don't know, man. I don't know if he will. I don't know if Columbus is going to do it. Like they they still believe. I think. I believe in what? <laughs> what, what, are we, what are we believing here? I mean, you're asking all the right questions, man. I, I he hasn't been fired yet, and it's it's like they let him go and. What Columbus did this offseason, they were building the right way, and then they just tried to rush it. It's it's just mind-boggling what they tried to do this offseason. Like, Provorov's been good for him. Like, he's been good. Damon Severson sucks, and they paid him a lot of money. They're going to have to trade probably Zach Wierenski in the future because he's the only valuable demon on that team. It's just... $9.5 $9.5 million for Zach Wierenski, too, by the way, signed by Yarmo Kekalai. Like, right. Wierenski's great. Is this guy even a top 10 defenseman? I don't think it's even a conversation no. that's no. no. And he and he's making top five money. Yeah. He's one of one of the highest paid defensemen in the NHL. I mean, what, he, what is he third, fourth? I want to say he's top five because it's Dowdy Carlson. I will find this very quickly. Yeah, Dowdy Carlson, maybe Nurse, and third. he's third. Currently third. Dal Dalene's going to pass him, right? Because Dalene sure. can make like over ten now. But yeah, as it stands right now, Zach Lorensky makes more money than Charlie McAvoy, Adam Fox, Roman Yossi, and Kale McCarr. Yeah, he's a good player. He's a great player. Good player. Not worth nine point five eight three million dollars. No. no. Also, was hurt most of last year. And yeah. only missed a couple of games this year. And let's go back and revisit. Like, who won that trade between Columbus and Winnipeg? What, what for Dubois and Line? I would say the Jets won because they at least got rid of Dubois and got some assets back. The the Jets at least like have made some playoff pushes and right. had Dubois in the lineup for those, and he was mildly productive. And then when he eventually won it out, they were able to get something valuable for him. And the Jets are still currently a team doing yeah. things. Columbus got Patrick Laine and got worse. And then they go and sign Johnny Gaudreau for $9.75 million. And he sucked this year. He's been bad again. And they're just kind of nothing right now. Like it's it's a very confusing team. I don't think they really have a vision. Where I like Adam Fantilli, he he fell into their lap. I give them no credit for that. That he that's also the thing that about that draft is Leo Carlson also looks sick as hell. You yeah, can't, you can't even give the Ducks too much crap for that. And Fantilli's great. They stumbled into him. They didn't even want him. They wanted to be better that season, and they want to be better again this year. They're going to be one of the worst teams in the league. And they have all these young players that they're probably just going to have to get rid of eventually where a guy like Chinakov. How are they going to afford to pay him? Because they're paying all these other guys, huge money and probably don't want to pay him because he hasn't been very good. Yeah. Like they, they've really got to just commit to this thing and start over. You've got Fantilli at 18 right now. There's no rush. Cole Sillinger's still 20. There's just not a lot going on in Columbus, you know, at the trade deadline, you probably got to see what you can get for Patrick Laney, because what is the point? What are we doing here? You're going to have to eat half of that money. Yeah. You fucked up. You're going to have to eat some of this. Like, I just, I don't understand what the vision is in Columbus. Why Yarmo Kekalainen still has his job. I get it. It's not the easiest team to manage. Not everyone wants to go to Columbus. Very nice city, but that's not anyone's first choice. I've, I've heard I've heard nice things. 
It's a shit hole. Well, you're okay, Michigan fan. Calm down. But even still, not the, not the easiest team to get people to come to. I get it. You can do better than this. Yeah. This team does not. They need were it. doing better than this before they went through this whole thing with Johnny Goudreau. That team was sick when they had Bobrovsky, Panarin, uh, Felino. Like that team kicked ass, man. Yeah, they kicked and ass, they and the, and they left. You know, and probably a good thing to sign Bobrovsky to that contract. Panarin did not want to come back. They tried. Credit where it's due. They threw a lot of money at him and tried to get him to stay. He wanted to go to the Rangers. That's that's what he wanted to do. And the Seth Jones trade, they made out like bandits in that deal. They got Adam Boquist. They got Cole. What Smith happened to him? I haven't seen Boquist all year. Is he still hurt? Is or is he, he playing? He's played five games this year. I think he's hurt again. Yeah. But yeah, he hasn't really turned into much. I mean, they got Juracek out of that trade. And who's I guess they're not playing. I guess I guess he he is playing right now with the big club. Fuck, I know, man. But yeah. this whole thing's a shit show. It's a mess. Columbus is a mess. There's no real nice way to put it. It's a bad hockey team that has lost a lot of games so far. They've lost nine in a row, and only one of them passed regular. Two of them passed regulation. They lost to the Rangers in a shootout. Lost to Florida in a shootout. Their last win was over Tampa on November second. Oof. They, they, 18 they, days ago. 18 rough. days ago. Rough. It's not getting any better anytime soon. They were on a better pace last year. Very funny. Very funny. And how many more years do they have Johnny Gaudreau signed for? Six? This is the second year. So they have six after this. This is year two of eight. Yikes. For Yikes. $9.75 million, you too can get two goals in 19 games from Johnny Gaudreau. Oof. And for the small price of $10.5 million, you can celebrate every time Jonathan Huberto puts in a power play goal and has three goals on the season. You want to wonder how things are going in Calgary right now. Yeah, it's not good. I mean, like, both those teams lost. Like, <laughs> Calgary Calgary tried to save it. They couldn't save it. Columbus tried to speed up this shitty team, and it fucked it up even more. I don't know, man. Columbus is a mess. Yeah, it's bad, dude. It's bad. Like, I honestly have more faith in what the Sharks are doing than I do with the Blue Jackets right now. Yeah, and you can't even say the Sharks really have that much of a vision either. There's there's just a lot of teams that are very – it's been a very weird season right now where it's just a lot, of, a lot of things still to be worked out. And there's a lot of teams that are getting exposed for just not really having a picture of how to go forward. And it's weird because I think Nashville is one of those teams, but – I think they're excused from this conversation tonight based on how it all went down. Yep. I mean, Columbus is definitely one of them. Calgary has no vision. Minnesota is just continues to lose. Did you see Bill Guerin had a a strict talk with the team? Did you see that? They got grounded. Yeah. (laughs) I always find that funny when it's like you go and talk to a bunch of adult men and you're like, you guys suck. And they're like, okay. Like yeah. they're, they're adults. Like, my fucking, you're my fucking coach, man. <laughs> yeah. Like, Dean Evanson could get fired. Who do you think is the first coach that gets fired after? Well, I mean, we already saw Woodcroft got fired, but who do you think is the next one that could get next fired? Next one gets fired. I mean, and even then Edmonton's still losing games right now. Yeah, they just lost funny. to, they lost to Tampa and Florida back to back. It's, it's, it's almost like it wasn't Woodcroft's fault that they yeah. have a goalie and still can't get saves. But in terms of next one to get fired, I mean, Honestly, I don't know. It could be Buffalo, honestly. 
No, I think they like Granado. I think they keep him. I think they like Granado, but I think there's getting to be a little bit of a hot seat if they can't make any progress this season. See, see, mine's. I think it's DJ Smith and and Ottawa. No, that's a much better one. Yeah, yeah, because they got new ownership group coming in. This team was supposed to be better, and they're eight and seven right now. That's as a significantly better one. That's absolutely the next one. I mean, they've won three in a row. They won both of their games in in Sweden. They had the they hung on against Detroit to save that game and they beat Minnesota in a shootout. Ottawa is interesting. I mean, if they climb back in it, they're not going to fire him. I don't think so. I think a sneaky one could be Lindy Ruff in New Jersey. That's, and it's definitely a sneaky one. I mean, they just gave him an extension, right? Like, yeah, you know, that could be a sneaky one. And Mike Sullivan could, could get honestly, honestly, it could be Dean Evison. I, I mean, yeah, Minnesota's I, I, the same it, I said it after the playoffs last year, where if this team does not make any progress, Dean Evason, I think, feeds a lot of the worst parts of this team where they are over-emotional, over-aggressive, borderline psychotic to the point where it costs them and have these massive emotional dumps in games and the roster sucks and they're not getting goaltending, which is a recipe for it's your fault, coach. Get out of here. It's not my fault because I can't get goaltending, but I don't know, like with the Blue Jackets fire Pascal Vincent already? No, I don't think so. I think it's I mean, DJ Smith. I think Mike Sullivan could be on the hot seat. Not, like I don't know if that's just for him. That team's just old. And it's confusing because every time I look at them, they win, but they're still always a 500 team. I don't think I've yeah. watched a Penguins loss the entire season. They only yeah. lose games I don't watch, so I need to stop watching them. But I, th- I think it's probably David Quinn. Right, at the end of the day with the Sharks. I don't think you're. Threatened. I don't think they fire him in season. I think they fire him after the season. At a certain point, there's a little bit of pride that comes in. I don't know, man. They're trying to be bad. Not that bad. They've yeah. already they've already kind of locked that up that they're the worst team in the league. I don't think there's really much threat to them. You think you think Lane Lambert's on the hot seat with the Islanders? Who knows with Lou, right? Yeah. I, I mean, if it's it's got to be both. If it's Lane, then it's Lou too. Like it's both of them at the same time. But Lou won't get fired, he'll retire. Right. You know, Lou Lou just has too much clout. But, yeah, I mean, we we came into this confused, and then we just named, like, seven. So Yeah, I think there's some on the hot seat. How how quick do you think Mike Sullivan would be without a job? Like, how many days do you uh, think he's, re, he's hired by the end of the day. Yeah, <laughs> he's such a good coach, man. He's a, I mean, I think there's maybe can be merit that his message growing old in Pittsburgh. That's he's true. For so long – and the core is old, and you can definitely tune a coach out to a certain point, uh, I think teams would fire their coach and bring in Mike Sullivan without <laughs> hesitation. Like, I I think a team – I think a team like Minnesota would fire Dean Evison and bring in Mike Sullivan. 100%. I think 100%. there are teams There are teams in a playoff spot right now. You can make the argument they fire their coach right now and bring in yeah. Mike Sullivan. Dude, have you looked at the Metro standings and just how funny it is right now? I looked at it right before we started recording. The, the first-round matchup would be the – at home, Philadelphia Flyers taking on the Washington Capitals <laughs> in the two versus three. That is hilarious right now. Yeah. And you, what would it look like? Who would miss in the Metro? You'd have Pittsburgh, New Jersey, both miss the playoffs. Yeah, I'm trying to get the wild card standings up. Yeah, it would be Pittsburgh, New Jersey, the Islanders, and the Blue Jackets that would all miss. The teams that would make the playoffs, the New York Rangers, 9-0-1 in their last 10. And they'd or, face... Well, They'd face the Hurricanes? They'd face the no, Lightning. They, 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 oh, that'd be a good series. That'd be a that'd great be a good series. series. And then number two, 
the 10-7-1 Philadelphia Flyers, who are on a five-game winning streak, and the 9-4-2 Washington Capitals, 8-1-1 in their last 10 on a four-game win streak. A battle of the Titans. I mean... the Capitals are hilarious because they're eight one and one, and they still have a negative goal differential. And they still have a negative goal differential. Like <laughs> this is what, this is what I mean about the Capitals. Very fun what they're doing right now. They are not going to keep no. their net like this. It's no. not sustained. I think they are better than I expected them to be. I think Carberry has done something with this team. They do not have the talent to sustain this. They don't. But t- the Flyers, man, I. I don't like what the Flyers are doing these next couple of years. You got Mitchcock coming over in what two years? Who knows? It could be next year for all we yeah. know. It could be five years. And he has potential. Like that, this last draft was fucking awesome, man. We knew it was going to be, and it's cool to see these players actually producing. It's so cool. Yeah, like, and Mitchcock yeah. could be could be the second best behind Bedard. We like we and we just have no idea. And Leo Carlson looks sick. Fantilli looks sick. Bedard is obviously disgusting. Dude, I, I saw something and they're like, people, are like, he's going to score fifty goals here. I'm like, let's pump the brakes here, guys. Like, if he gets thirty five plus, that's impressive enough. Like, uh, fifty is a lot. I don't think there is a team having a better season than the Chicago Blackhawks right now. No. Where Connor Bedard is sick, the team around him sucks, so they're still losing games but they're still getting their young players in. They're going to get another sick-ass player in the draft this year. It sucks, but they're, they're they're having a great year. This is exactly what you want out of this season if you're the Blackhawks. You know, it's also trippy when you start looking at the, the prospects for this year, and it's they're born in 2006. Dude, that, that hit me like three years ago. I was like, Jesus Christ, I am old. Right? Like, it's like, dude, my draft year would have been six fucking years ago. My God. What would mine have been? 18, 11 years ago? Yeah, 11 years ago. Uh, yeah, like it would happen last night. I was watching the Broncos game and it was like Justin Simmons just celebrated his 30th birthday. I'm like, Jesus, he's been in the league I, for so long. And then I thought about it, I'm like, holy shit, he's not that much older than me. Like, he's like eight months older than I am. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is <laughs> this is trippy. Yeah, I, I bring this up because the Blackhawks, if they got like Cole Eiserman in the fuck draft, that, like a, a Matt, Connor Bedard, Cole Eiserman for the next 20 years, 20 years, like fuck off. Get they get, yeah, you go from Taves and Cade to that, fuck off. Like, the uh, genuinely fuck off out of my face. I'd never want to hear anything about karma ever again. Yeah, yeah. But that was a ridiculous side tangent we just went on. Is there any other NHL news that you have written down so we can wrap this show? I mean, the the the, the proposed World Cup. Oh, it's not a World Cup. No. But based on what Friedman was saying on 32 Thoughts, today is that the proposed world cup which would be february 2025 was what i saw earlier would potentially have like four teams in it it would be the usa canada finland and sweden yes less of a world cup and more of a exhibition you know exactly what this is. The NHL can say the NHL PA, we tried and you guys didn't want to do it. It's exactly what this is. Yeah, it's it's exactly like I get not letting Russia in because of all the politics stuff. I get that. I get that. But this is not what the hockey fans want, and it's not what the players want. But the NHL and its brass can be like to the NHL PA, we tried to put something together and you guys didn't want to do it. I I don't understand the thought process here. Why is this hard? This boils my blood why 
is putting together an international tournament in hockey fucking complicated. Wait, wait, wait. is it 2025 when the next Winter Olympics is, or is it 2026? Six, I think. It's always even years, isn't it? Yeah, I think yeah. you're right. I think it's 2026. Yeah. So yeah, because February... the summer are in 2024, and then the winter's in 2026. Yeah. February 2025 is, is going to be like a week-long thing. Four or six teams, you know, got to give some credit. But, like, no Germany, no Czech. Like, I would rather not have this and just let them go to the fucking Olympics. Just, just promise me that they're going to the Olympics in 2026. I can give a fuck about the World Cup. I'd rather just not have this at all than this fake-ass right. exhibition tournament. This is nothing. What are what top players are even going to play in that? Right. Like, okay, you're getting Canada, USA. You get your free ratings and all that. No dry sidle, no Pasternak, no Nico Heischer, no, no Tim Stutzla, no Stutzla, are not even mentioning the Russians. Like yeah. you're removing such a strong portion of your star power that <laughs> what, what's even the fucking point? I'm just thinking about 2026 and the Russian team. What would how old is Ovechkin going to be in 2026? 41, 42? In his 40s, yeah. <laughs> you have Ovechkin, Malkin, maybe fucking Datsu gets up like the just team of 40 year olds. Yeah, and, the, and then centered by Michkov or something. Yeah. Like, I, I just, it, it sucks that we never got to see, like, we got to see Ovechkin play in the Olympics twice. Yeah. We got to see Crosby play twice. We have never seen McKinnon play in the Olympics, never seen McDavid play in the Olympics. This, never is, seen I, this is what boils my blood. This is such a layup. This yeah, should this. be where your stars of hockey absolutely shine, where you can unequivocally get the entire country, all of them, behind certain players, where you can sell these guys. But it's the premier of, sport of the Winter Olympics. Yes, it is the one time where hockey is the main event. Yep. The one time ever, nothing else in hockey is ever the main event. As much as we love the Stanley Cup final, it is shown up by the NBA final every yeah. single time. It will never be the main event. The Winter Olympics is the only time. This is the easiest thing ever. TJ Oshie's shootout winner. We still talk I, about it nine years later. I still watch the highlights of it. It'll pop up on my TikTok feed and I can't skip past it. Because it's awesome. Yeah, it's great. TJ Oshie was a star for like three years. We still, we still talk about the U.S.'s last gold in 1980 because right. that, that's how great it was. That's, that's how iconic exactly it was. exactly what it is where you just have such a simple thing. Even if Canada wins again, which they probably will, they everyone will. will watch it. And the, the fact that we have such good teams in Finland and Sweden. Sweden. And like even teams like Switzerland are way better than they used to be. The Czech Germany's like, Germany's getting up there now. Germany, Dreisaitl, Stutzla, like the US. This is so easy. It's, it's so easy, so man. Easy. It, it's just like I think back on that 2012 game in Vancouver, that may be the greatest hockey game I ever watched, that gold medal game. Yeah. To like the, that may be, like I have vivid memories of that game from 11 years ago. I was 9 years old. I remember exactly where I was. I remember everything. I remember the tying goal. I remember losing that game and being really sad about it. it was, was it Parisi who tied it? Yeah, it was Zach Parisi who tied it. And obviously it was Crosby who ended up winning it. It's yep. one of the greatest hockey games that has ever happened. Yep. And we've done it once since. And Sochi kind of sucked. Yeah, it was okay. Like, we don't, like, I finally remembered that, of course, Canada won. That's the yeah. default. I didn't even know who was silver all i remember was the the usa was it, russia game was it finland i think so i or think was it sweden 
It was, I think Sweden was, it was some combination of that. That was silver and bronze. The U S did not medal. Yeah. But yeah, I mean like the only valid excuse they had was, was it 2022, I guess then when it was in China and the COVID rules were so strict, that made sense not to say the the players were even like, uh, yeah, like that made sense. Yeah. That's the only one that you have a valid excuse for. And yeah, what uh, Tavares got hurt in Sochi or was it Vancouver? Why not? Stamco snapped his leg one year. Yeah. Tavares fucked up his yeah. knee. Tavares fucked up his knee. It can happen in any game. I think if you ask those players, they would do it a hundred times, have a hundred times still. Right. Like the that can happen in any Tuesday game of the yep. regular season. Like, cause yeah, the NHL is making money in those regular season games, but at the end of the day, if you're suffering a season-ending injury in in March against an out-of-conference opponent, is it really that different than the Olympics at the end of the day? No. In, ter- in terms of what the NHL is losing? Yeah. I, I don't know, man. Just don't do this World Cup. Just promise me they're going in 2026. I need to see Crosby, McDavid, and McKinnon on the line together. Like, I, I, I need to see that. I think my favorite thing is, like, we did a World Cup of Hockey randomly in 2016. It, it kicked ass. It kicked so much ass. Team North America is the coolest thing they've ever done. Yep. Never did anything like it again. We still talk about it all these years later, and we just fucking gave up. Yep. It was awesome. It kicked ass, and then we just went, what if we never did that again? And that was also the last international tournament we've ever had. Yeah, that kicked ass because it was like it took place of the preseason. There was like no preseason yeah. hockey. There was no preseason. We just had that, and it was great. It's fantastic. It was awesome. Every game kicked ass. The worst part was the final. Like yeah, because what Team Europe versus Canada, right? It was, it was Canada versus Team Europe. Team North America beating Sweden in that game yep. is one of the most memorable hockey moments of the last ten years. That overtime, they're Canada. allergic to fun. They they are allergic to making things cool. If you're going to do a World Cup of hockey, make it the fucking World Cup of hockey, not just this little exhibition between the four superpowers. Yeah, <laughs> that's why when you say that, <laughs> four superpowers of hockey. But, I mean, yeah, we, we. I feel like we've had this conversation. We're doing this podcast now for two years. I feel like we have this conversation once every, like, six months. And it's just it's such a layup. Do the right thing in NHL. Like, this is what the fans want, what the players want. And just it, it, it will benefit you in the long run. It will. It will. 100% will. There is absolutely zero doubt about zero. it. And put, put the other countries in. It's like, oh, Canada's going to win anyway. What What if they don't? What if they don't? What if they, they said don't? That 1980 when the Soviets would win the gold, and guess what happened? Right. That plucky young team of college superstars, not even superstars, led by Herb Brooks, gave an emotion. I've watched Miracle like 95 times, so I can just quote that yeah. whole movie. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's just let them fucking play. Oh, like, oh, Germany or Czech's not going to beat Sweden or Finland. What if they do? What did they do? It's awesome. It's the Olympics. The World Junior, I think it's every year, the World Junior, it's either USA, Finland, or Canada in the final. Like, yeah. Canada's always in. It's just a mixture of USA, Finland. But, it, and- but every once in a while, you get the check that goes on a run yep. and everything. It's just international hockey is awesome. We're watching 17-year-olds do it instead every year. Every year, and it kicks ass every time. It does. Isn't that coming up pretty soon? Like next month? Probably, yeah. It's almost December. Yeah. Uh, all right. We got some... Fucking go. USA, baby. Cole Eiserman. What's the other kid's name? Was that BU? Uh, Celebrini. Yeah. I thought he is he Canadian? He might be Canadian. Uh, yeah, he's Canadian, but Eiserman's ah. Se- our guy. Uh, yeah. Uh, Trevor Connolly. Yep. Cole Hudson. N- yep. That sounds like a hockey player. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. 
that's all I got. All right. We'll get to know more as we get closer to it. But um, I don't think I have anything else for this episode, man. No, I saw some midnight, so I have to go. To yeah. Bed. But even still, that was exhausting. <laughs> that, that game was exhausting. Yeah. I'm glad we ended it with some fun. But uh, yeah, that game sucked against the Predators. The game that kicked sucks. ass against the Stars. This game against the Predators sucked. Yeah. I think I'm pretty plenty happy to leave this off here. Avs upcoming games against the Canucks and the Wild. We're going to figure out our recording schedule for Friday because we also play on Saturday. Back-to-back situation. We'll figure out what we're doing with that. We'll have to talk about that. But game against Vancouver coming up on Wednesday should be interesting. Quick score prediction. I say they win 5-2. to Yeah. I don't know. Canucks Canucks are interesting because the the high-scoring game, 4-3 overtime, Avs win. I like it. Kale McCarr winner. I love it. Love it. Cool. So we'll leave it at that for now. Thank you all so very much for tuning in to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. You can use promo code Tell It Abs It Is on SeatGeek for $20 off your first order of $50 or more. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at NHL. You can follow Christian at Christian underscore Belay. And you can follow the show at Tell It as is and if you enjoyed the show please feel free to leave a five-star review on apple Podcasts, spotify wherever you get your podcasts from the mailbag is in the description for this episode which we will be answering next friday and every friday from now on it's also on twitter if you want to send stuff in there questions criticism fun stuff anything like that we appreciate everything you guys have to say I think I'm ready to wrap this one up here. Thank you all so very much for tuning in, and we will catch you all next time. But until then, let's go abs.